Pastor Xavier Reese says most Christians easily proclaim God is good, but how many truly follow Him as King of Kings? The purpose of the judgment of Yahweh was very clear. Listen to it very carefully. That they might know that He was the Lord Yahweh. It's repeated 73 times. I am judging you so that you may know that I am the Lord Yahweh. Has that changed? Nope. That you may know that the Lord Yahweh reigns. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It used to be that very few questioned all things were created by God Almighty, but somewhere along the trail of history, God got pushed into the background. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to his intense study in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, as he reminds us God is still God, past, present, and future. Here he is with today's lesson, Judgment Begins in the House of God. Ezekiel chapter 9. The prophet Ezekiel has been revealed the horror of the temple as the people had completely apostatized from Yahweh in chapter 8. Every form of creature was being worshipped and bowed down to, not to mention the image of jealousy along with the devotion to the sun and Tammuz. Now the prophet is allowed to see in a vision the predictive judgment of the temple and city, which is evident by three movements. Let me read here chapter 9. Then he called out in my hearing one with a loud voice saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men were from, came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among those were clothed with linen and had a writer's ink horn in his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the Lord of Israel had gone out from the cherub, um, where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's ink horn on his side. And he said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the forehead of the men who sigh and cry over the abominations that is done within it. To the other he said, In my hearing, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women. But do not come near anyone on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Then he said to me, Defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out, and they killed in the city. And so it was while they were killing them, I was left alone. And I fell on my face and cried out and says, Oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel? And point out your fury on Jerusalem. Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city full of perversities. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then, the man clothed with linen, who had the inkhorn at his side, reported back and said, I have done as you have commanded me. The prophets allowed to see the vision, which is predictive judgment in the temple and the city here. And it's evident by these three movements. First, 
verse 1 through 3 to the middle of 3, the executioners were petitioned. Secondly, from the middle of 3 down to 6, the executioners were commissioned. And then 7 to 11, the executioners were true to their mission. You might just put this side by side with the book of Revelation as we'll see this. It's apocalyptic. He has seen what is going to happen in the short future. Remember, this is the reign of Zedekiah. It's already 606 has taken place, the first siege, 597. It's only about five years till this takes place. The executioners were petitioned. Look at verse 1 through 3. In verse 1, the prophet heard the charge of Yahweh for judgment. Notice the prophet Ezekiel is still seeing a vision of God. The vision began with the elders of Judah coming to his house, as you know, sitting before him. And the hand of Yahweh fell upon him, chapter 8, verse 1 told us. He was carried away by the form of a hand and took him by the lock of his hair. And the Spirit lifted him up between heaven and earth, bringing him in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the inner door of the temple. Chapter 8, verse 3 told us. This is still part of that vision. Look at the verse then, or the word then in verse 1. The word then is a time word, pointing back to what God had stated in the last verse of the previous chapter. He would act in fury, having no pity in his judgment in view of all the abominations of idolatry in chapter 8. Verse 18, that's what it's referring to. Then, when he made, said he would have no pity. Now, three times the phrase, loud voice, is recorded in these four chapters. They are a unit, 8, 9, 10, 11. Study them as a unit. The word loud voice describes the intensity of the voice in view of the coming judgment. Though they would cry out to God, God's ears with a loud voice, he would not hear them, the end of chapter 8 says. Though they would cry out in intensity, I will not hear them. Now in sharp contrast, verse 1, God cries out with a loud voice for the executioners of judgment, and they would hear him. You see the contrast? On and on and on, God has been dealing with them. They've been spurning God. They drew that line. They came across it. He would not hear any longer. Now he calls for judgment. The executioners would hear. The last time it's found is in chapter 11, verse 13, where Ezekiel cries out with a loud voice in intercession for the remnant. As Pelatiah dies in the temple as Ezekiel was prophesying. Pretty heavy. He's prophesying, boom, he drops dead right there. Notice the prophet heard Yahweh call the ones who had charged over the city to come forth, each one with their deadly weapon in their hands. These angels who were responsible for the oversight of the city of Jerusalem were the ones being petitioned. The word charge uh, means to have custody. Oversight. Ezekiel had been given the charge of being the watchman of the city already in chapter 3. He was responsible to cry out and warn that people turn from their sin. Each one presented themselves with a literal destroying implement, is what it says. Angels are ministering spirits to the earth of salvation, as you know, Hebrews 1.14. 
But angels play also a big role carrying out the will of God both in the Old and the New Testament, both for blessing and for judgment. They are his servants. Notice the prophet perceives six angels stepping forth in verse 2. They suddenly appear and the prophet perceives these six men, which are angels. It's very evident as we move through the text. The term men is used when three men approached Abraham in Genesis 18.2. Two were angels and the third one was Jesus Christ, God. The context will always dictate to you whether they are mere angels or they are mere men. <laughs> Here the context is they're angels and they're presented like that throughout the entire chapter and the next one. They came from the direction of the upper gate, mark that well, which faced the north. The upper gate is the same as the inner court's north gate that we've mentioned before. The direction of Babylon is north. God's dwelling is north. We point that out in chapter 1, verse 4. God's judgment was coming directly from the north of heaven, God's hand, through the instrument of the north, Babylon. <laughs> He's in Jerusalem in a vision. The direction of the image of jealousy which provokes to jealousy was in the, in the door of the north gate of the inner court, as we saw in chapter 8, verse 3 and 5. Notice they each came with a battle axe in his hand. The word is translated like that in Jeremiah 51, 20, but literally it's slaughtering weapon. This is not for discipline. This is not for correction. This is for judgment. There is no mercy, no pity. He's going to say it many, many times. The prophet, notice, distinguishes one man among the six angels. He is the seven, separate from the six angels. Don't miss that. Interesting, there are seven angels in the book of Revelation also. So you want to put the book of Revelation side by side, and I'm going to give you some of those parallels. It's interesting because the book of Revelation is for judgment, and so is this book. Notice he was clothed with linen, the dress of the priests, marking the purity and holiness of God, Exodus 28:42, Leviticus 6:10, and other portions. The priests were to wear linen, not wool, because wool caused you to perspire. God wants his work to be inspired, not full of perspiration. Inspiration, not perspiration. So many people are working for the Lord and all oh, the burden of the Lord. If God's strengthening you, leading you, then he does the work. He doesn't want you to sweat him. <laughs> he doesn't want you to glory. Marking the messengers of God. White linen, Daniel 10, 5, 12, 6 through 7, Revelation 15, 6. Notice he had a writer's inkhorn at his side. The phrase is borrowed from the Egyptians, appearing only this time in this chapter, but it appears four times, verse 2, 3, 5, and 11. The description is one of a scribe with his implements. Having a, a board, a case for quill pens, and a slot for the inkwell. Uh, some of you may be old enough to remember those. I remember going to school in Mexico City. You would have your desk, little holder, and you have your ink thing, and you dip it in to write. And that's what it's talking about. But it is an Egyptian term that is borrowed. Now, notice the seven angels stood by the bronze altar. Don't miss this. 
They were waiting for their orders from Yahweh in view of judgment. The altar of bronze was the place of judgment regarding the sacrifices. That's where the people laid their hands on the head of the animal, killed them, and they laid them before there. Judgment. Bronze or brass is always symbolic of judgment in the scriptures, unless the context dictates otherwise. Gold is deity, silver is redemption, brass is judgment. The altar is the altar of judgment. The position was before the Holy of Holies where the glory of Yahweh would appear. This was the basis for the judgment to come. They had violated the holiness of God. That then despite the spirit of grace and his glory, even as the book of Hebrews warns those who know God not to do that. Notice the prophet interrupts the narrative as his eye captures the glory of God. This is the focus. This is the real focus of life. The glory of God. The rest of the things are distractions. You understand? While these seven angels were in formation waiting for their orders, Ezekiel records that the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been. The going up from the cherub, singular, cherubim is plural, cherub is singular, without doubt indicates the two cherub on the mercy seat of the ark. He's before the holy of holies. He's using the one to encompass both. The significance being that Yahweh was removing his glory due to the defilement of the temple and the preparation to pour out his wrath upon them. In fact, the glory of God, notice, moves to the threshold of the temple there in verse 3 at the end. The reference of moving to the threshold depicts the reluctance and grievous departing from the temple in view of the covenant history Yahweh had with his people. Here's a picture of what's going on. A child is leaving his parent for the summer. They take him to the airport or the bus stop. And they hug. And as he's moving away, he just keeps, he's moving towards the bus. But they keep looking back and kind of reluctant. This is God. He doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave. But he has no choice now. You understand? It's a grievous thing. It's not a smacking of the lips. The Shekinah glory of Yahweh will move out to the east gate in chapter 10, verse 19. Ultimately and completely out of the city to the mount on the east side of the city, the Mount of Olives. Judgment was eminent, 1123. Progressively, now when he began his vision, he came from the outside of the temple to the heart of the temple. Now he's in the heart of the sanctuary and judgment is going to begin there and he moves away from the city back out. Remember that the judgment to come was going to be through the instrument of Babylon, yet Yahweh makes it clear by the call of his angelic executioners that it was divine judgment. I wonder how often in history God has executed similar judgments, allowing one nation to conquer another nation as a form of discipline at the direct hand of God. Now, we have many examples, as we see here, Babylon with Israel. And we have many other but there are times that's happened through the nation, through the history of man, but we don't know. But because of the evidence we have, we can be certain that God's been in it. You understand? To confound matters even more, the conquering nation may even be more evil than the one they conquer. Habakkuk had a heart problem with God. Lord, I can't believe. You cannot look upon iniquity. How is it that you can use a more wicked nation to correct us? 
Watch me. Oh, God will never allow Russia to conquer. God will never allow Iran, Iraq. What? Say what? People today in our nation get outraged that the slightest suggestion that some of the natural catastrophes that have been going on since the turn of the century or the terrorist attack would have to do with God's judgment on America. On what do you base your outrage on? I got more biblical evidence for it than against it. I'm not telling you it is. I'm telling you I got more evidence than it might be <laughs> in view of the fact the way we are living as Americans. You want to start with Vegas? Modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah? Hmm. There's more biblical evidence for the things that happen to a nation that the hand of God's in it than anything else by the lifestyle they live. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's straight across the board. And now, he reveals it now. The judgment of God on man and the world is not only directly related to spurning his holiness, but rejecting his rule over the nations of the world. God is in control of the world, really. Listen to some of the verses, okay? Just some. Psalm 9, 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And the kingdom is the Lord's and his rule over the nations. Psalm 22, 28. 47, 8. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. And as I've told you often, he's not biting his nails. The purpose of the judgment of Yahweh was very clear. And it has never changed, listen to it very carefully, that they might know that he was the Lord Yahweh. It's repeated 73 times in this book. 73 times, I am judging you so you may know that I am the Lord Yahweh. Has that changed? Nope. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 23. In the last days when God regathers the Jews and blesses the mountain of Israel, it will be a witness to the nations of the world. Listen to what he says. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh, says the Lord Yahweh Elohim, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. When judgment comes, it's for one main reason. There's many, but one sure reason is that you may know that the Lord Yahweh reigns. Yahweh cannot look on sin with any condonance. You guys remember Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to Daniel 5.21. Then he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed uh, him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdoms of men and appoints over it whoever he chooses. His testimony was, there's a God in heaven who does as he wills, and no one can say to him, what are you doing? Worship him. The degree of judgment always has to do with the amount of privilege, by the way. To those that much is given, much is required, person or nation. To those with lesser light, there is lesser judgment, person or nation. To those with greater light, there is a greater judgment, person or nation. Listen to Luke 12, 45 through 48. 
But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male servants and the female servants and to eat and to drink, and the master of that servant will come in the day when he is not looking for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbeliever. Do you see the contrast? Who can only know his master's will? A believer. And to him is appointed with what? The unbeliever. Don't rationalize away. He's not talking about non-believers. He's talking about believers. Who walk with God and turn away from God. Listen to it. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to the will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, that's the non-believer, yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, to him they will require the more. Awesome, awesome passage of scripture. Notice secondly comes the executioners and they were commissioned. In verse 3 and 4, the prophet heard Yahweh summon one angel to mark those to be spared Uh, The man, again, is the seventh angel, distinct from the six angels. Don't miss that. Uh, Yahweh called to the man clothed with linen. He is the only one with such dress. And he is the one who had the rider's inkhorn at his side. So we can't mistake him. Now, the angel was told by Yahweh to consecrate the righteous in verse 4. He said to him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. So Ezekiel has already prophesied by various sign sermons, as you know about the destruction of the city in chapter 4 and 5. In chapter 6, he's prophesied to the mountains. In chapter 7, to the land. We're familiar with the message. He has acted it out. God has opened his mouth to declare the, the, the confirmation of it. Now, here in the mist, the judgment is being revealed. He said, and put a mark on the forehead of the man who sigh." And cry over the abominations that are done within it. The word mark is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet indicating completeness or totality. The letter in Ezekiel's day was an X used for signature. It's used like that in Job 31:35. In fact, we even have come to use that. Sign in the X. You go get a form, they have an X there. <laughs> Now, this mark would notice be for protection as the righteous who were tormented over the abominations in Jerusalem who would be spared like at the exodus with the blood. He was marking those who were grieving over the abominations. Cain had a mark for protection that nobody kill him. The 144,000 will have a mark in the book of Revelations No one will touch them. God will redeem them. The servants of the Antichrist will have a mark on them. Revelation tells us also. You either have God's mark on you or you have Satan's mark on you. You belong to one or the other. If you belong to God, then you're protected. If you don't, you have no protection. Remember, Jeremiah could not find a person as God told him to run through the streets. Jeremiah thought he could find at least one. He couldn't find one. Apparently, there has been a change since that time that Jeremiah went through the streets. Now, Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem. 
but apparently some have turned. And God in His mercy marks these for protection. Pastor Xavier Reese and a reminder that the Lord knows those who are His, an important reminder for staying faithful. Now, there's still much more to come next time, but if you can't join in, you can always pick up a copy of this message on CD for just $4. And the title to ask for is Judgment Begins in the House of God. And make sure you pass it on to a friend when you're through with your own study. So once again, the title to ask for is Judgment Begins in the House of God. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. With so much evil in the world, why is God first going to discipline His own? That's our focus on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com